Welcome to the Getting to Know Euros podcast series. In this episode, I spoke with Katarina, who is an alumna that graduated in 2021. We talked about her experience working at the security consulting firm SecDev, her academic interests, and the relationship between her work experiences and grad student research. Be sure to follow us on social media at Euros Carlton and check out our website, www.carlton.ca slash Euros. That's carlton.ca slash E-U-R-U-S. What did you do before coming to Euros? Yeah, so before coming to Euros, I actually was kind of at Euros. Um, <laughs> I did my bachelor's in global and international studies at Carleton. And my specialization was Europe and Russia in the world. So I actually did Euros basically for six years. Um, it's just for my undergrad, it was specialization, which is kind of a major, but it was called a specialization. Um, and then I did my master's in Euros. And what drew you to studying Europe and Russia? Uh, well, I myself am from Ukraine. Um, I moved to Canada, I think, 12 or 13 years ago. And I'm also half Armenian. And my I'm basically a product of the Soviet Union because my parents lived all over the place uh, back when it was one country. So it was always interesting to me to both study um, kind of where I'm from. <laughs> um, it was really cool to me. And I, I speak fluent Russian. So I was trying to play to my strengths and do something that I was both interested in and also knew that I could have a comparative advantage in because of my linguistic skills. So what did you gravitate towards when you started um, doing URIS? And what I mean by that is what courses did you choose? What was your MRP? What were, what were you wanting to learn when you were at URIS? Over the six years, my interests were kind of obviously fluctuating. And um, but uh, in third year of my undergrad, I actually did an exchange semester in Rome. And I took a class on sociology of terrorism, which was the first time of ever taking anything related to violent extremism or terrorism. It was really interesting to me. And it caught my attention and it was my favorite class. And then I was like, you know what? This is the first time I've always liked my courses, but this was the first time I was like, okay, this is, I like this more than just class. Like I really want to dig deeper into this. So after I came back from my exchange, it was fourth year, right? Of undergrad. And that's when I did the URIS internship course um, with Elisa. And she basically asked me what it is you want to do. And I never had a, and I still don't <laughs> have a clear idea of what I really, you know, when people ask, what do you want to be in 10 years? I have no idea. Uh, but I told her, you know, I, I just came back from exchange. I took this super cool course. I'm interested in violent extremism and conflict settings. Uh, and she said, you know what? I think I have a cool opportunity for you. So she brought forward SecDef to me. I did an internship there for three months and then they ended up bridging me and I've been there ever since. So explain to me what SecDev is and what they do exactly. Yeah, so SecDev is a digital risk consultancy firm. So 
basically, you know how yours is a very multidisciplinary program. SecDef is a very multidisciplinary company. So uh, we work on a vast variety of projects. When I originally was hired, I was primarily hired to work on a project that focused on violent, violent extremism in Central Asia. Um, so, but then over the course of the last three years, I did so many different projects over, uh, all of them focused on the digital space in some way, shape or form. Uh, so we do projects on cybersecurity. Um, we also explore the digital aspects of COVID-19 when the pandemic started. Uh, we focus on a vast variety of regions uh, from East Asia, Europe, Central Asia, Africa, Middle East, also North America. So it, I, I got to use my Eurus knowledge a lot because primarily I worked on projects that required my Russian skills, meaning they were about the region where people speak Russian a lot. Um, but beyond that, I also did a lot of other projects and other locales. And it's been really interesting so far. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it so far. Can you tell me about some of the projects that you've worked on a little bit more specifically? I know there may be like security issues as well. So just, you yeah. know, let me know if you, uh, if you can't talk about anything. No, no, for sure. Um, so um, right now we're actually working on a very interesting project in Yemen. Um, what we're trying to do is reduce the number of digital harms that are basically making the situation in Yemen that is already very dire, even worse. Uh, so what we're focusing on is primarily disinformation and misinformation, as well as hate speech. To a lesser extent, um, online radicalization and violent extremism, but all of these things are tied in together. You can't kind of pull it away from one another. They're all kind of intersected in this web of bad things that happen online. Uh, so that's a project that we recently kicked off. Uh, it's still kind of in an initial stage, but we're really excited about it. It's gonna be hopefully a long-term project and we're gonna have partners all across the world. Um, and it's really exciting. And um, so that's one of the projects we're working on at the moment. Another project we're working on is um, a round table on military cyber stability. So basically what that means is we bring in experts from various countries around the world who come in and talk about how we can make the cyberspace, the global cyberspace a little bit more stable from a high level perspective. So what can states do? What can Russia, US, China, Canada, Europe, the European Union, what can they all do to prevent escalation and conflict within the digital space? How do you actually sort of more tangibly, or how does one and how does your company more tangibly reduce misinformation online? So the, the project on misinformation we have just recently started in, and what our intention is with that project, uh, particularly with misinformation and disinformation in Yemen, is to figure out what's being said, uh, figure out why it's being said, where are those pieces of misinformation and disinformation originating from, for what purposes are they being disseminated, who are they being disseminated by, and what can we do to um, counteract them. And our goal is not to find the bad guys who are 
you know, sending these rumors out online. Our goal is to say, okay, these are the rumors that are being currently spread on Twitter in Yemen, and they could potentially harmfully affect people living in Yemen. For example, when it comes to COVID-19 vaccine mis and disinformation. So what we would aim to do is to basically post counter narratives that are saying, okay, this is what's circulating. And this is why this isn't really true. And this is the fact. So basically it's how Facebook and Twitter do fact checking. So we would be doing that kind of stuff, um, particularly focusing on Yemen. And so is it like SecDev official Twitter or SecDev official Facebook saying, hey, by the way, like this is actually what the vaccines are about? Or do you have people, do you do you use like other types of accounts? Do you try to, I don't know, maybe pass as somebody who's from Yemen, similar to how, let's say, for example, from a more malicious side, like, I don't know, a troll bot from Russia mm -hmm. or whatever would try to pass as an American. Like, do you get, do you get what I'm saying a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Again, the project is in a very nascent stage right now. So we're still trying to build those partners and stuff. But um, from what um, we have discussed so far, we're going to be working with local partners on the ground who know the communities that they're living and working in, who know what people are interested in, who people trust. Um, and we're not trying to kind of come in and white knight it and say, listen to us, we're the we're the smart guys. We're gonna tell you why this is wrong and why you should listen to right to us because we're right. It's more of we're going to be supporting the local partners by providing them with that intelligence that they may not necessarily have access to. And then it will be up to them in collaboration with our support to disseminate those counter narratives that will hopefully um, support people in gaining access to credible and reliable information. So who are your clients then typically? Is it more states? Are they corporations? Are they um, NGOs, humanitarian groups? Like for the for the project in Yemen, but also you mentioned as well that you're working with other types of states. Do you have also other non-state clients? Yeah, so can't super disclose who the clients are, but all of the categories that you've mentioned, all of the above, we have worked, and not just specifically for the Yemen project in general, throughout all the projects that I've personally been working on over the past three years, all the different types of actors that you could think of, we've worked with, yeah. Okay, wow, that's that's really interesting. I didn't, you kind of don't think that this is something that would, would exist necessarily as a company. Um, are they like an international firm? Like, do they have offices around the world or is this really an Ottawa-based uh, based firm? It is an Ottawa-based firm, but uh, since the pandemic started, many of us have been working um, from other places in the world. I'm currently in Armenia. Some of our coworkers right now are, are in Southeast Asia, but primarily we're based in Ottawa. Wanting to maybe go back a little bit more to your Euris experience mm -hmm. and what you were doing during the degree. So you started in your third year at SecDev or your fourth year in your undergrad at SecDev. My fourth year. Your fourth yeah, year. fourth year. Mm -hmm. This was like the one day a week internship course that's available to MA students as well. Exactly. And yeah. So I did two days a week, I believe. Um, and we actually just um are starting to extend offers to a new set of uh, Euro students who are going to be our interns for this semester so it's perfect timing to have this conversation so you started working were you already knowing that you wanted to continue into the USMA program at that point in your undergrad um yeah so I kind of had this internal debate between going to NIPSIA the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs and going to Euros 
And um, I, I applied to both. I got accepted to both. And uh, Jeb Sahadeya was actually the, the, <laughs> the selling point for me, as he may have been for you. Um, and, you know, I basically, for me, the priority was, again, using my language skills, being able to conduct research in Russian, because Russian is my native language, but I never worked in Russian up until I joined SecDev. And I never really did research in Russian, except for, you know, reading a, a few news articles here and there. Um, so I really wanted to be able to develop not just my spoken and reading skills, but also my writing skills in Russian and my research skills in Russian. Um, and then also the other big selling point was how small URIS was in comparison to Nipsia. I just realized that I would have a much more intimate experience that would have a lot more time with my professors. So uh, yeah, ultimately it wasn't a long debate, uh, but yeah, I ended up at, at URIS and I'm really happy I did. No regrets there. What research did you do while you were in URIS for both your MRP and for sort of other courses or other sorts of projects that you would have taken during the degree? You know, as I said, I was really interested in violent extremism. And at, at my job, we primarily focused on religiously motivated violent extremism. So what I really wanted to do was explore the other sides of things. So for my master's uh, research paper, I decided to go with researching far right. Um, and my master's topic was on the transnational dimensions of far-right extremism in Ukraine. So what I basically wanted to figure out is, number one, why is, has there been a rise in far-right activity in Ukraine in the last several years? How have these groups interacted with um, other far-right extremist groups domestically and abroad? what political opportunities they had to succeed in Ukraine and uh, how they used social media to promote their message. So I, also, I still stuck to that digital aspects of things. Um, and um, yeah, there was a lot of interesting findings. It was a very interesting uh, research work for me personally. What types of sources were you looking at in terms of primary sources? Were you like looking more at the media side of things or were you doing interviews as well? Like what, what, what was, what was your sort of like source base for that project? Yeah. Considering the sensitive nature of the topic, I decided to stay away from interviews um, for many reasons, including personal security. Um, so, and because I already had um, at the time about when I started master's about a year of experience in um, analyzing social media, I decided to stick with social media. So my primary um, source was social media and particularly Telegram. Um, yeah, so I analyzed, if I recall correctly, around 800 social media posts on Telegram. Um, so I... I talked about several groups in my research paper, but for my kind of case study, I chose one, one group and I analyzed two years worth of their social media content on Telegram. Yeah. But of course I also had, I had probably 20 pages of bibliography that I ended up with. Um, of course, beyond that, I had news articles, um, academic sources, of course, and, um, other social media sources, but not as much as Telegram. 
your your interest in violent extremism came from when you did that course in Italy and sort of ignited mm -hmm. that passion. But what was the relationship between your work at SecDev while you were doing your master's degree and your master's research? Was was it kind of a two-way flow of sort of information of things learned of interest or was it really like, you know, SecDev that was more informing what you were doing in, in class? Like, what was the dynamic in terms of your interest? Yeah, so again, like you, you totally got it right. The thematically wise, Italy was the place where I realized, okay, I'm really interested in violent extremism as a research topic. And then at SecDev, I also realized that for me personally, the most interesting part at the moment of uh, researching violent extremism was how it was showing itself online. And I gained I would not be able to have written my MRP if I didn't learn the skills uh, of social media analysis that I did at SecDev. Um, but it was, it, it, again, it was kind of dif different sides of the same coin. There is actually a lot of interesting research that is arising about that kind of vicious circle of religious and uh, far-right extremism that are kind of feeding off of each other. So for me, it was really interesting to, to research that. And again, um, being from Ukraine, um, I really wanted to apply the skills that I've learned, as well as the knowledge that I've gained over, you know, four or five years of studying the region at the time to, to that research paper. So in my mind, that research paper was basically the amalgamation of everything I've done academically and professionally up until the point of coming into URIS. Yeah. And when I started URIS, I had an entirely different topic had nothing to do with social, um, sorry, had nothing to do with violent extremism. And, and Jeff was, Jeff could see that I was struggling and he was like, I don't think this is what you want to do. After an entire semester of writing literature reviews, doing assignments for this other topic, I came back after Christmas holidays and I said, no, I'm dropping that. I'm going to what I actually want to do. And after that, it just flowed. So my big lesson learned is listen to your gut and listen to what you're interested in because what you're there is a research topic for what you're interested in even if you think that lots has been written or on the opposite nothing has been written and you're gonna struggle you can find your like path in what you like don't write on something you don't care about because it's going to be a pain and it's going to be a huge huge struggle i wholeheartedly agree I chose a topic myself uh, I actually ended up doing it I think on your topic because we had a conversation um, a mm -hmm. while ago on Russian hip-hop and I'm still doing the MRP I'm still oh, doing the MRP on Russian hip -hop. yeah yeah I've translated about three and a half albums now um, oh my goodness yeah good for and you it's uh and I and I it's just like I get to sit down and I get to learn about what's being said in these songs and the people who are saying them and then I read scholarly literature about topics that really interests me about a time period in Russia, like the 1990s that I find mm. fascinating. And I could not continue to do this if I wasn't interested, especially, and I'm sure you can relate to this, like I'm doing a co-op term, I have, you know, I'm still learning Russian on yeah. the side, I'm doing recruitment work five to 10 hours a week, like, to carve out time to do the MRP is like, I gotta be interested in it. I gotta want Absolutely. to actually sit down and read this. So I think Absolutely. that's, a really good piece of advice um, as well. And I, whenever anybody asks me about like, you know, what should I do for my MRP? It's really like, just do something that you're interested in. 
and Absolutely. also that's what I found nice about Eurus too is that it's not you, you're not limited to choosing a specific topic like it has to be on international relations it has to be on history it's like you can mm-hmm. really just pick and choose what you want to do and kind of come with an idea and I find that there's always somebody who can help you there's always a scholar or a faculty member who's like yeah no I, I actually specialize in that or I have insight mm-hmm. on that um was it a similar like experience with you like were you did you kind of have your like um violent extremist and security shaman um out of the Eurus faculty yeah so just super quick before I answer that um I don't know if we I remember we spoke about your topic but I don't remember if I told you that this is actually my original topic um it wasn't super like it, it, it wasn't as well defined as yours and I was kind of like Russian rap but I was gonna write about something related to to Russian popular media and not like trust me, I, majority of my Spotify is Russian rap, um, <laughs> and I'm really interested in about it, about it, like, to, to hear it, and also write, like, read uh, genius lyrics and see what it was about, but I don't think I could have written an MRP about it, so I'm super happy that you're writing on it, and please, once you're done, please, please send me a copy, because I'm going to be super stoked to read it, um, so that's number one. Number two, in terms of my guide, so, Actually, my guide was Professor Jean-Francois Rattel. I don't know if you know him. Um, he was um, he was a, an adjunct or assistant professor at Carleton. He was teaching actually a course on terrorism in Europe and Eurasia. Um, I believe the course is being taught by someone else now because uh, he has gotten a full position at U Ottawa. Uh, but yeah, no, he was amazing because actually in the middle of my MRP process, he pretty much left Carleton, but he still stuck with me and he listened to me and he said, he told me what's going to work, what's not going to work, but he let me go with my own pace. And yeah, he was an amazing guide and he has a lot of really cool stories about, he had a lot of, um, majority of his research experience is actually on violent extremism in North Caucasus, so Chechnya, Dagestan. So kind of coming to the end of the interview, I know you mentioned before that you don't see, you don't plan too far in the future for for what you want to do, but do you see sort of a short to medium term goal, um, a trajectory that you want to, that you're you're focusing on? Like, what do you want to do in the next few years in your, in your career? Yeah, it's, it's a good question, um, one that has been haunting me ever since I finished my master's, because I didn't take a break between bachelor's and master's, you know, I kind of was just like, I don't need to think about my future, I have school, why do I need to think about my future, you know, um, and then in June, I finished, I, I graduated, and then the quarter life crisis kicked in, and I was like, okay, so for the last 18 years of my life, my identity was a student, and now that identity is done, so what do I do now? Um, honestly, I'm very open-minded. Um, Sagdev is giving me everything I need at the moment because of how fast-paced and interdisciplinary it is at the moment. Um, my personal goal is to improve my French. I, I want to, I definitely want to, to get it to a point where it's actually a working language for me. Um, I would love to work abroad. At a certain point, I would love to gain some field experience internationally because all of the people that have mentored me in my academic and professional life, every single one of them 
had international field experience. And so for me, I think it's going to be very important to, to do something abroad. Um, but yeah, right now I'm just kind of going with the flow and um, enjoying the ride. <laughs> well, good luck. You, it sounds like you have a really interesting job and um, bonne chance avec ton français. Oh, merci beaucoup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alexander. Thank you for listening to this episode. Be sure to check out the other episodes from this series and follow us on social media at Eurus Carlton. For more information about the program, as well as a guide on how to register, key dates, and deadlines, be sure to check out our website, www.carlton.ca slash Eurus.